0: Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Young, a paramedic instructor at Eastern Kentucky University. We are taking one topic, spending about 10 minutes on it for the paramedic student who wants to dig just a little bit deeper in a very brief amount of time. This is the throwback to one of my original episodes, The Mechanism of Trauma. We're going to take a look at some of the physics of trauma and how this would be important to you. In order to fully understand the forces that go into causing a trauma, we're going to have to take a little bit of a look at physics itself. Now, physics is defined as the division of science that studies motion and the energy exchange between objects that collide between each other and how that energy is changed, shared, and modified. Knowing this will help you as paramedics to have a better grasp on both the seen as well as the unseen trauma that will occur within your patient. Your book describes inertia as a two-part law. Now, it's stated as a body in motion will tend to remain in motion unless something else acts upon it to slow it down. Now, the reverse is true as well. If a body is at rest, it'll tend to stay at rest unless there's an outside force that forces it to move upon it. Now, this first law is known as Newton's First Law. Think of it this way. If a bullet is fired from a gun, it'll continue to move in a straight line until something impacts it, or gravity begins to overcome its movement. At that time, it'll either stop or it'll change directions. According to Newton, energy is the ability to do work. Work in its simplest form is considered the ability for movement between two objects. Since the law of conservation states that energy can't be created or destroyed, but can only be changed from one form to another or transferred from one object to another, we consider that the energy is simply being transferred from, in this situation, from a car into the tree. Now this is seen in the impact of wind, uh, any type of an auto impacts an immovable object. The energy from which the auto has upon movement is transferred into the tree, which is then moved on into the ground. We refer to this energy as kinetic energy, or for short, KE. It's dependent upon several variables, including how much it weighs, as well as how fast it travels. Now, these are gonna be some pretty important concepts that you're going to want to pay attention to in just a minute in particular, because one of them is going to carry more of an impact than the other would. While you don't need to use the formula outlined in the book to determine kinetic energy, you must keep in mind that the speed of an object has an exponential effect on the amount of energy that's available. And that's what I was just speaking about. Speed definitely has more of an impact than does the weight of an object. By way of example, let's take a look at this 150 pound person who's traveling on the interstate. The amount of kinetic energy that's available with the movement of that person while traveling at 30 miles an hour is 67,500 ke units. Now, if we speed that same vehicle up by only about 10 miles per hour, the amount of kinetic energy increases to almost 120,000 ke units. And when they say that speed kills, they really do mean it. The amount of kinetic energy increases with the weight as a person goes from 150 to 180 pounds, but really not quite that much. Understanding the anatomy of the human body, coupled with a basic grasp of kinetic energy, you can begin to develop a type of sixth sense about the things that are going on with your trauma patient. Keep in mind, out of sight, out of mind, can often cause some real issues as far as having an effective assessment towards your patient uh, of trauma, particularly any type of internal injuries. When we are looking at our patient and we begin to compare what has happened with the mechanism of injury, with the injuries that we're seeing, as well as the potential for injuries that are unseen, we call this the index of suspicion. This index of suspicion or your gut feeling will become much more accurate as you get more experience. Understand that early on, you're going to make some mistakes as far as what your gut is telling you, but that's okay. That's all in how you get your experience and your education as far as you're moving along. And as you see more patients and you assess more patients, the better off you will get at this. To understand the biomechanics of trauma, we need to settle upon just a few definitions as we're moving through here. Now, for some of these definitions, they're gonna be a no-brainer. However, there may be others that you may or may not be familiar with, and that's, that's okay. So let's take a look at penetrating trauma. Penetrating trauma happens when an object such as a knife or a bullet or any other object for that matter pierces the protective barrier of the skin and enters into the body. Any subsequent injury may be caused either directly or indirectly by this penetration and will particularly take A stronger and a deeper look at this type of injury causation, particularly when we take a look at gunshot wounds uh, a little bit later on. Compression type injuries happen when the body stops abruptly while the internal structures are still moving forward. Now, the most common type of injury that we would see this in is a head injury with a coup-contra-coup injury to where the brain sloshes forward and you have an injury on both the interior and then it sloshes backward and you have an injury on the posterior stretching injuries are just opposite of compression these occur when a part of the body is pulled away from from another in particular you can see these types of injuries uh, when you have sprains um, in particular of the ankle and the knee when the different ligaments and tendons begin to get stretched and torn now a very medieval example of this occurred when people were stretched on the rack as a type of punishment or torture or to exact a, a confession. In a sheer type of injury, the internal organs continue to move forward at varying rates of speed. And we talked about this a while ago when we were speaking about the car that stops, and the, the body that stops, but the internal organs themselves are still continuing to uh, to pass on forward as the as the body has stopped. When the body itself stops, any type of ligament or tendon that crosses the organ will cause it to be lacerated. This is seen quite frequently with liver lacerations due to the falciform ligament that crosses the interior surface of the liver, as well as with injuries to the thoracic aorta. Particularly within the liver, this falciform ligament acts much like a cheese cutter in that it is very tough, it's very fibrous, and it literally, it The the liver will continue to go around it on both sides until the liver itself can can become lacerated and the patient can bleed to death. There are three phases of a traumatic event that we're going to take a look at in depth here. So as we're looking at this, within any vehicle collision, there are multiple subcollisions that are going to occur both within and without of the vehicle. So first of all, we have the vehicle collision itself, car versus tree. Impacts the tree, the car then stops. During this motor vehicle collision, when the car strikes another object, energy is transferred from the moving vehicle to the non-moving object or to the other car. Now, that's going to be really important, particularly when we're talking about vehicle versus vehicle type of auto impacts. Thankfully today, cars are not the tanks that they used to be back in the late 60s and and 70s, but they are now designed with crumple zones, particularly in front of the vehicle, so as to absorb as much of the energy as possible. Now, the important thing about this absorption of energy is that if it's absorbed into the vehicle, then that means it's not being absorbed into the patient's body, which ultimately results in less trauma or less potential of trauma for the patient. Although the vehicle is stopped, the occupants, even if they are restrained, are continuing to move along at the same speed at which the vehicle was moving. Now, the body collision is the second aspect of a collision that occurs, and this happens when the body strikes the interior of the vehicle, including the restraint devices, the airbag, the seat belts, or anything else that are found inside of the vehicle. As your patient makes contact, the energy contained in the patient's body is now transformed to energy that will damage or potentially cause damage to the patient's internal organs. The body stops, but as we spoke earlier, the organs themselves will continue to move forward until they impact the uh, bony structures of musculoskeletal system that will help to stop them. Tissues and organs in the patient's body will continue to slide in a forward direction impacting either each other, which can cause some trauma, or the bony surfaces of the thorax or the pelvis. This phase of collision can cause compression, stretch, or shear injuries as the organs continue to move forward with about the same amount of force as was originally in the vehicle. Secondary collisions occur when anything loose within the vehicle now strikes the passengers within the car. On a professional note, this is why that is so very important that loose items be secured in the back of an ambulance. The last thing you really want is a monitor sliding around in the back of the ambulance upon an impact. Thanks for listening to this week's offering of the 10-Minute Medic. In next week's section, we'll take a look at the different pathways a patient can take during motor vehicle trauma, as well as how understanding more about the mechanisms of injury can raise your degree of suspicion for unseen trauma. Sure hope that you'll join us. Thanks again.